Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I am Peter Whitlaw. Now, uh, before I introduce my guest this week, uh, just a little reminder to please subscribe. Um, we're going great guns with subscriptions at the moment, but it's quite easy. You just ping on subscribe and then next door to it, there's another mark which shows you how to get notifications of all of our programs. Uh, so please do that, won't you? Uh, and uh, start us off on the right foot uh, in the coming year. Uh, now, we rarely have serving politicians on the show. I'm delighted this week to, uh, to welcome Lee Anderson, who is the MP for Ashfield. Um, one of the reasons we have Lee on is that he's that rare thing, uh, which is a backbench MP who is independent-minded and indeed is known by a wider public. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Lee. Thank you. Um, I wanted to start by asking something which uh, was reported in the paper this morning. We're recording this on, on the Tuesday. And that is that the Tory party is offering um, parliamentary candidates, so presumably people standing next time, uh, courses in uh, unconscious bias, including such concepts as white resentment, and uh, you know, microaggressions and things like this. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's a load of nonsense, Peter. I mean, you stop 100 people in the street in Ashfield or outside here, ask them what white resentment is, they won't know. And quite frankly, if you told them, they wouldn't be bothered mm -hmm. because this sort of wokery, we can call it wokery now, is creeping into every part of, of our lives. And I thought that my party would push back against this sort of nonsense. Um, you know, we're forever being told all of us that we're homophobic, we're transphobic, we're racist, and we're not. We're just normal human beings who make the odd mistake now and again. It's good that we make mistakes because people can pull us up. Yeah. You know, if I want to be challenged by anybody, I don't want it done on some ridiculous course to get a job. I want my colleagues, you know, the people I work with, you know, people that I represent, I want them to challenge me, not some, somebody who's just come out of university and, and, and has done this training course on on, on white resentment, that's nonsense. It's, it's society that should challenge you, the way you act and, mm -hmm. and the way you speak, not some ridiculous course. But this kind of, what we're talking mm. about here, this is in the Conservative Party, mm. but there seems, there is not an institution now which has not been touched by this, like the police, or mm. well, certainly education. Mm. It's a source of endless frustration, say like to me, that the Tory party, for, often says the right thing, but doesn't seem to do anything about it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the culture's changed over the last 20 years, to be honest. You know, we've got people, and I blame our schools and universities for a lot of this. People mm. are coming through, especially university, um, and they, uh, they've been brainwashed. Um, mm. I genuinely think that, you know, the, 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 we know universities and colleges, you know, uh, are pretty left-leaning, uh, and this nonsense is put into our young people's heads mm. at a very early age from 18 years old, maybe 16 in some places, and then they, they come out. I was probably the same as an as a 18-year-old. I wanted to... Uh, uh, start a revolution and uh, get rid of the nasty Tories and, and all this, but it's, it's got worse because eventually you grow up and, and, and you grow out of that, but we're not growing up in this day and age. This is, this is carrying on and on and on. And I'm pretty sure, Peter, that there are a small minority of people in this country that lay awake at night thinking, hmm, which minority group can we tell are being victimised? Which minority group can we, can we pluck out of society and then brainwash them into thinking they're being victimised at, at you know, on, on every street corner, and they're not, and this is what they do, and they make a good living out of this, mm. but what they're actually doing is they're ruining the country. But what do you think is behind it, in the sense that oh. I have my own views, I, th I take the, if you like, the bleakest view, that this is an outright attack on our society and 
civilization. Mm. But I mean, do you think? Would you agree with that? Or? Yeah, it's, it's. Let's be honest. It's the left. Mm. I mean, I can say this quite comfortably because I've been there. Yeah. I've been part of the Labour Party. I was part of the Young Socialists. I was. A, I was the person selling the militant at eighteen, going out fly posting. I know. I know how these people think and how they act. They hate everything about this country. And what they, what they're doing a lot of the time, Peter. Is they're blaming their own their own failures, yeah. uh, their own ability to get on in life on somebody else. It's the poor me syndrome. Everything's wrong in my life, so I want to blame somebody else. It's usually rich people or the nasty Tories. And uh, mm. but then you get the middle classes who, who who think the same as well, who who are uh, like the generals, if you like, yeah. of, of the people that's that's doing all the complaining, and um, they make a good living. And yeah. like I said before, out of out of hating our country, mm. out of uh, criticising our culture, our history. And everything we've done bad in the past, yes, we've done bad things, but you should never forget that. You should, you know, we should use our history as a mirror to look mm -hmm. in. You know, I strongly believe that the United Kingdom and, and England is a gift to the world. It has been a gift to the world for hundreds of years. We've done some amazing things, you know, we, we've medicines, technology, engineering, railways, telephones, stuff like that, which we've given to the world, even the internet. We've given all these things to the world. You know, we should be celebrating that. We should be proud. We should walk down the streets with our chest puffed out and thinking every time I see a union flag there, that's my country and, and nobody's going to diss it. That, that's our country. We've done, done some amazing things. And I wish um, my party and that place over there, Parliament, would, would do more of that. Actually, I, I was, one, it's going to be one of my questions later, but right time to ask you now. How would you increase the patriotic feeling, particularly amongst young people? It's, easy. it's, ah. an, it's, an, it's an easy question to answer. Um, from day one, I said to government, we need to make sure that every school and college and university mm. and hospital, every public building mm. in this country flies a union flag. Mm. That's, that's a good start. Every school in the morning, regardless of what faith they are, or what, what type of school, independent, private, public, whatever, should sing the national anthem. Right. And then people will start asking, young people will start asking, why are we singing that? Why is that flag flying? Then we start teaching the history mm. of this great country of ours mm. and making sure that these children are so proud of this country because you know, I visited America recently to see a friend uh, in, in Sarasota and it, there was a place there where they uh, play the last, last post every night as the, you know, as, as the flag goes up and, it, and it's touching, it's moving, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Why can't we do that here? Yeah. Because you know what, we're a far better country than the United States. Yeah. Best country on, on earth this is and uh, we seem to be ashamed sometimes to, to, to blow our own trumpet and we should never, never be ashamed of this country. But uh, no, I would. Agree. I mean, all those things, uh, flag, nationalism, totally agreement with. Um, when it comes to the actual teaching, mm. I personally can't really remember a time when, in our culture, um, the bad things weren't being emphasized. Actually, I mean, you know, people say, "Oh, well, we should have a kind of more balanced view. It helps us understand." And I sort of think this is disingenuous, surely, mm. because basically, I don't, I don't. I've never sort of grown up with a feeling that people are terribly nostalgic for empire, for example. I mean, would you, or would you say? Well, when I, when I was at school in the 70s, I was, you know, going through junior school, um, I remember it well. The, there was a good balance with the teachers. It was 50% male, 50% female. Yeah. Now, in the same junior schools, you can't find a male teacher yeah. anywhere in Ashfield. You really struggle. Yeah. But the male teachers we had, two of them in particular, had served in the Second World War. Right. Uh, one had been a POW in, in Burma. Uh, and uh, Mr. Ralston, God rest his soul, he was in, in the Navy um, during the war. And then when I went to my senior school, I, our headmaster was uh, also had served in the Second World War. So these are people that had served king and country. 
uh, and, and got proper life experiences, and, and they passed a lot of that on to us. Uh, but we don't have that now. What yeah. we have coming out of college and university to be teachers is, is mainly young women. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but there's no balance. There's no male role models in life. A lot of these children that's going to school, many of them, unfortunately, haven't got a dad at home. They, they come from single parent backgrounds, just the mother at home. So they've got, you know, they're living, they're learning without a male in their life. And, and unfortunately, you know, I've been to some schools, some great schools in Asheville, by the way. But, um, you know, I know some teachers are very left leaning. I know some head teachers that are very left leaning and they're getting, they're not getting an unbiased view of the political world. They're getting a biased view in, in many cases. Um, you know, I went to a college the other week and did a question time of students and I asked them, you know, how many, how many voted Labour and they all, nearly all voted Labour. Mm. So that's probably because their parents vote Labour, that's probably because you know, they've uh, been taught in school, um, I think a particular way. So they're not getting a clear, um, a clear look at things. Mm. Um, and I don't think you get that. I mean, I'm a perfect example. It took me 35 years on my political journey for the penny to drop. 35? Uh, 35 years for the penny to drop. Was there actually a moment when it dropped? Yes. Yes. Well, there were several moments, but the, the, I mean, I'll tell you a true story. I was a Labour councillor in Ashfield and we were at a, a Labour group meeting, which is where the councillors meet to discuss policy and whatnot. And um, one of the Momentum members, because it was, it was mm. you know, riddled with Momentum, said to me, have you ever read the works of Karl Marx? And I said, no, I haven't. Nobody reads the works of Karl Marx. Um, and he said, well, off then and join the Tory party. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to. So I did. <laughs> and then 18 months later, I was his MP. So it was that quick. Yeah. From, from, you know, from him saying that to me, because I've been thinking about it, I joined the Tory party, became the candidate, got elected, and now I'm, I'm his Member of Parliament. So the Labour Party give great career advice in certain circumstances. I'm living proof. But you joined the you joined the, the Tory party, but you became a councillor for the Tory party, didn't you? Yes, I, well, I was already a councillor. Uh, so by default, I, I became a Tory councillor. But then when I stood for election in, in a different ward, um, I won as right. a Tory councillor. And my wife did as well. So we, we won in areas where we've not, never won before, yeah. um, but which was great. Yeah. But so if you go back uh, you know, to the beginning of 35 years, when were you always political? I mean, well, you've got to realise, Peter, that I was brought up in, on a strict diet. And I always say this, as my diet was in the 70s, Skinner, Scargill and Tony Benn. Yeah. That's what we watched or listened to on the, on the call it wireless then, I just call yeah. it wireless. <laughs> um, as my dad was a miner, obviously a coal, all my family were coal miners. And then when I was 16, I joined the Labour Party and we used to go and watch people like Skinner and, and Tony Benn and um, Scargill at Chesterfield Town Hall when, when Tony Benn was mm. a Member of Parliament there. And it didn't really matter what they were saying but they were so good at speaking, these people, absolute geniuses, you know. Mm. They could mm. speak the biggest load of nonsense, but you came out of that hall feeling 10 feet tall, you know, as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, mm. thinking, mm. wow, these people are great, they've got us all riled up. You could feel the atmosphere, yeah. and you want to go out and start revolution. Yeah, That's yeah. how you felt. And, you know, we, we get readers like this throughout the ages who are just really good at speaking. But the calibre of it, that, that appears to have gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, regardless of what you think of people like Scargill and, and, and Ben and, and Skinner, uh, they were supremely intelligent. Mm. 
mm. great communicators mm. and really good at getting half the population on, on their side. And in politics, that's all you need, really. You need half the people. Because uh, half the people are going to hate you anyway, you know, regardless. But yeah, we we sort of lost that. Um, and I look at the some of the opposition benches, and I can't think of any apart from maybe Ian Blackstock uh, of the SNP. He's a great speaker, great orator. I'm not convinced he believes everything he's saying. <laughs> In fact, I know he doesn't. Uh, nobody does. Um, but you know, there's some people in the chamber over there. So when they, when they get up, you think oh, I'm going to listen to him. Or I'm going to listen to her. Not many mind. Mm. Gove's another one, brilliant. When Michael Gove gets up, is 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 superb. Mm. So we've got some really good people like that. But out there in the, um, I tell you, who I used to have a lot of respect for is Bob Crow. Oh yes. Yep. Yeah, I mm. didn't agree with his politics, but I thought he was a great speaker. He got his point across well. The media could not bully him. He, mm. When he sat in the in the sofa with Andrew Neil or anybody, they never got top side of him. It was it was good at that. Well briefed, knew his stuff. Uh, and you know, probably did a good job for his union members. So, and he was also pro Brexit, wasn't he? He was, which is a bonus, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're a little bit sterile now. Leaders and politicians, mm. they seem to come off some sort of production line, and everything's about presentation, mm. about not saying the wrong thing, not making a mistake, not being too committal on an answer, scared to give a yes or no answer. Mm. Mm. And, and and you know, honestly, people don't want that. Mm. You know, people. Farage is another good example. Mm. Is a great communicator. Um, he, he speaks, you know, people say he's populist, they call me populist. Look, I'm saying what most people are thinking, I yeah, think. Yeah. That's not yeah. populist, that's just, that's my job yeah. to say what most people are thinking. But of, of course, I get, as you know, I've only been on Twitter for a few weeks. <coughs> yeah, I think I joined You've got it. quite a following, though. Yeah, I've been, I started in December, um, nearly 50,000 followers. I'm not sure that they're all fans, though, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they kind of, I think you didn't you say that they, they sort of goad you on, you know, in a way. The, 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 get the haters actually can be motivating. That's too. right. Yeah, the, the, my haters are my motivators. So, they I, I know they, they try and bully you. This is what the left do. They try and bully you. They try and scare you. They try and intimidate you. Um, I mean, funnily enough, when I was in the Labour Party uh, and I was quite active, I never got any abuse from, from Tory supporters or Conservative no, voters no, or no. or Conservative. Never. They even on the council, we'd have a, a ding dong in the chamber. But after, they'd come and shake your hand mm. and say, you know, well done, as the missus, stuff like that. In the Labour Party, there was none of that. It was venomous. It was horrible. It was jeering. It was jostling. It was swearing. It was nasty. Well, you had, there was quite a bit of venom um, poured on you when, uh, during that time when you were talking about food banks and how people could maybe budget better. Mm. I mean, what, who led that up? So this, I mean, this, is, this is more nonsense, which was just stoked up by the Daily Mirror and the Guardian. So I've got a, a chef. I was helping a food bank in, in Ashfield, who, by the way, I donate money for, to and deliver meals yeah. for people. So one of my local chefs, Dave, is uh, uh, an award-winning chef. He was helping at the food bank as well. And he said to me, he says, this is all nonsense. He says, he says I can feed a family of five on 50 quid a week. And I says, no, you can't do that. He says, I'll challenge you. So we had a ready, steady, cook sort of program in the local college. Food bank users there, kids there, teachers there, volunteers. I had there's four MPs, me and three others, the chef, um, and and some media. And I went to the Aldi the day before with fifty quid, with mm. some school children, with a shopping list from the chef, and we we filled the trolley with fifty quid. And we got back and uh, we cooked it all, and actually it made one hundred and seventy meals. We batch cooked. Right. 
uh, five different recipes, five different types of meal, but in total 170. So it worked out at 30 pence for each mm -hmm. meal. Obviously it's batch cooking, obviously most people can't like it, but they can do it to a smaller scale. Mm. The point I was trying to make is that you can have nutritious, cheap meals on a budget if you prepare the stuff and learn how to cook from scratch. Because the one thing we learned at the food bank was some of the people they could not cook. They, they didn't know what a vegetable, how to cook a vegetable or how to make a meal from scratch. So that's what we was trying to do, help people budget and cook from scratch. But yeah. obviously, I, I challenged the whole of the Labour Party, Parliamentary Labour Party, to come to my food bank and, and watch it, but not one accepted. Yeah. yeah. But it's sort of, it's, it's real catnip to them, isn't it? That sort of thing. I think they were calling you, weren't they? So, you know, rich Tory boss. <laughs> but you, you followed your father into the mines, didn't you? Yes. I... Um, I stayed on school for a little bit because there was no jobs really. It was the time when um, one of our, our politicians was saying, get on your bike. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's a bit, little bit different today because there's lots of jobs today. What but was your reaction when, say, Tebbit said, get on your bike at that time? Well, I was angry. Yeah. I was angry because, you know, we was, um, the pits were shut in. Yeah. And we had a miners' strike. And, and the only jobs you could really get was um, YTS, yeah, 25 yeah. quid a week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but looking back... Uh, at that time, you know, because my, my, my politics have changed, I always think to myself, well, it's not the government's job to get you a job. It's your, it's, it's your job to get yourself a job. You know, it's, it's the government's job to make sure that we live in a, a safe country. Where we've got decent education, decent training, mm -hmm. uh, good police force, good, good armed forces. That's their job. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that we live in a fair society. Um, but like I say, I mean... I went down the pit, followed, I worked with my dad down the pit actually, we, we worked in the same team. It was nice, worked with some old school friends, and I loved my time working in the, in the pits. It was a sort of camaraderie that you'd probably get in the armed forces, because yeah. a lot of my mates went in the army or, or armed forces. And it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, but you know, it, that industry could not go on forever, really. Because but this was a, uh, this would have been around the time of the minor strike. Yeah, I started just after the minor strike. Just after? Yeah. And it was in Nottingham, wasn't in it? Nottingham, so the, yeah. the Nottingham miners actually were a bit of a one-off, weren't they? Well, they were, um, but my dad was a striking miner, right. and, and all the male members in, in and all the yeah, all the men in my family were all on strike. Mm. But they, they had a tough time during the strike because they were in the minority. Mm. They stood on the picket lines, and um, the vast majority of men went to work. And mm. you know, I look back and I think to my, what my dad did. Uh, fair play to him. They were out for nearly a year on strike but they were all for nothing yeah because yeah. they were just being used by Scargill uh, and Maggie mm. you know it was a battle that Maggie wanted it was a it was a battle that Arthur wanted but there's only one winner would you have would you have sort of been one of the haters of that show at that time yes absolutely I hated, mm. detested the woman mm. um, absolutely hated her hated the Tory government but when you look back you think to yourself my God, the country needed her at that mm. time, in the 70s especially. Mm. You know, we was being, you know, dominated by the unions. It was a closed shop, If you know, when you started the pit or a, or a, or a mill or a, a transport, trains, whatever, you had to join a union. Mm. So it was one out, all out. That, mm. was, that, was, that was the 70s and you cannot run a country like that. Mm. You know, you've got, you've got to, it's, because most people, want to go to work, they don't want to go on strike. And even the ones that were on strike in Yorkshire and that, I know it's then Yorkshire lads, they didn't want to go on strike. Mm. In Derbyshire as well, they didn't want to go on strike, but they were intimidated, they were bullied. Mm. Um, and that's an awful thing, because you, you're dividing communities and you're putting, you know, man against son, brother against brother, 
it, and you know we still feel it a little bit now in, in in the coalfield communities so yeah the unions were yeah they were they're doing it now with with, with the the transport strikes yeah. and uh, and the and the nurses they are they're using people yeah. uh, these union leaders aren't bothered about the members mm. you know some of yeah. these union leaders are more than the prime minister mm. yeah, the members are getting minimum wage some of them mm. nonsense one thing I, th I think you know when people say oh well you know it's such a <coughs> Uh, you know, crushed union power forever. Seems to me that they had a hand in it as well. In the sense of, for example, um, they they didn't put up any kind of resistance to massive amounts of cheap labour coming into the country mm -hmm. during, you know, before I say before Brexit. I mean, it still is coming. Yeah. But but you know what I mean? Isn't that what the union should do? Protect? Well, you thought so. Yeah. Anybody with an ounce of common sense can see that um, when you've got um, more people than jobs, mm. that's when that's when. Um, Wages come down. Mm -hmm. that, that's common sense, mm -hmm. you know. Free movement. I mean, a, a perfect example. Um, when we left the European Union, was every week I go and see businesses, and when we had, had that vote, we thought two months later, I was at a local business, and I says, "How's things?" He said, "Well, I'm not happy." Mm -hmm. I says, "Why is that?" He says, "Because he says um, the foreign labour stopped coming. Someone's gone home." He says, "I've had to recruit some some British people, and I've had to put the wages up." Mm -hmm. I said, "You're still making a profit." He went, "Well, of course I am." I said, well, I'm happy then. I said, I don't really give a toss what you think. I said, that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted you know, local people in Nashville to have better wages, have a better job, mm. and stop flooding the market with cheap labour. That's, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, You've yeah. still got your Bentley. Mm. When you think of those men that you were, say, down the pit with and, and around that time, uh, they would have been, what would they think of the Labour Party now? Well, I'll tell you what they think of the Labour Party now. They voted for me at the last election. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of them men that was on strike, yeah. including my dad, um, uh, voted for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, voted for me because the big thing in, in 2019, there was three things that won us the election. It was nothing to do with me. Uh, it, was, it was Brexit, it was Boris, it was Corbyn. Mm. And it was as simple as that. Those three things together was a great campaign, mm. great ingredients. Um, mm. At the next election, we haven't got those three things. So we're going to have to... Yeah. Think of something else. It'll probably be a, cult, a mixture of culture wars and trans debate. And but the thing is, I, I return to this actually because, you know, to me these are the most important questions. Admittedly, we are the new culture forum, so that these are the most important questions yes. of our time. But I just it doesn't seem to be reflected actually in not just the Tory party, but I mean in any of our institutions, but particularly the Conservative party. I mean, like when the statues were coming down and all of this stuff. You know, Boris Johnson. You know, you felt that at the very last moment he sort of had to be put in front of the cameras to say this is bad, but <coughs> there, it wasn't taken as seriously as I feel it should yeah, be. Yeah, I agree. You know, so you, surely the Tory party should major on this. Yeah. Uh, I was disgusted when I saw, I mean, when the Churchill statue got um, um, scribbled on, um, defaced, so me and colleagues went out the day after and actually scrubbed it clean and we made a big point of it, but it was sickening to see the protesters, the, um, the BLM, Riots mm. on Whitehall, you know, uh, goading our prime minister at the gates and our police. That wouldn't happen under Maggie. Mm. You know, I stood on mm. the picket lines with my dad, uh, and I saw what the police did mm. back in back in eighty four. Mm. That would have been dealt with immediately. Mm -hmm. There would have been horses in, um, and there would have been, let's just say, robust mm. action taken, um, and there'd have been a few carted off to hospital as well. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the first duty of a government is to keep your streets safe. And I think, actually, if he'd have done that, um, but you, then you've got corn meddling as well, ain't you, I suppose. But, yes, yes. you know, if he'd have done that, then the country would have got behind him because nobody wants to see 
our, mm. our great city, it is a great city, being overrun by mindless yobbos. Mm. The thing is, uh, yes, it was the most demoralising time for me, bewildering and demoralising. Yeah. You get presumably a lot of emails uh, yes. and letters. What is the sort of, what's the biggest topic? You get small boats. Sorry? Small boats. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's every day, small boats, illegal immigration. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been banging on about it since I got there. Every week I get up in the chamber and say something about it, and you hear the, you know, it's him again, banging on about small boats. Well, I'm sorry, but we've got tens of thousands of young men coming over here. We don't know where they're from, what they've been up to, we don't know what the intentions are, some of them are disappearing into, into the black economy. Um, when we, when we uh, voted for Brexit, um, we promised to control our borders, and it's got worse, mm. you know. Net migration's up, illegal immigration's up. Net migration's a record now. Yes, it? it's, it's like 500 odd thousand, mm. it's, 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 it's just nonsense. And, you know, we're struggling to get a GP appointment, uh, we've got a backlog of, and of course, you know, people say, well, you always blame immigrants. Well, no, we don't, because this country's built on immigration. My mother-in-law came from Ireland 50 odd years ago and worked in the National Health Service for 50 years as a nurse. You know, had three children, all got professional jobs, contributed, that's positive immigration. The people coming over in dinghies, that's not positive discrimination, and there's certainly not genuine asylum seekers, mm -hmm. because if they were feared for their life, they would be claiming asylum in one of the seven safe countries they travelled through. That's what winds people up, and it fills mm -hmm. my inbox every day. It's a sort of like, a, it's now a kind of vision crime to almost, you have to not believe the evidence of your eyes. You know that they say, oh, you know, refugees, etc. They're always, you say, young men um, of fighting age, dare I say. Well, they are. Yeah. And they're sort of, they're now all being spotted at, what, 400 places around the country or yep. something like that. Near where I live, what I live in Windsor, in Datchet, there's a whole hotel now, yep. for example. Mm -hmm. um, and people are perplexed at the lack of will, it seems, to do anything about this. Yep. That's what I feel. Well, you're right. Um, I mean, I've said from day one, Anybody arriving here illegally should be detained. Yeah. They shouldn't be put in a hotel. They should be detained. Yeah. Secure detention centre. We yeah. don't know who they are. And we've had one case yesterday where a, a young Afghan, he's he'd been to, uh, I think it was Norway, mm. got refused asylum, been to Italy, uh, Serbia, sorry, and killed two people there, murdered two people. Mm. Come over here, pretended he was a child, yeah. so he got put in foster care. He's ended up stabbing somebody mm. to death. Yeah, w what the hell? Mm. It's disgusting. Mm. should be a secure detention centre. But I've said from day one, Peter, send them straight back to France. Mm -hmm. Straight back the same day. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. These feel rather like, uh, you know, sort of howling in the, in the wind, though, don't they? These sort of protests. Because the general thrust seems to be just simply not to do anything about it. Or even, as you say, legal migration, 500,000 now. Uh, they want to normalise it to a million or something, Nonsense. possibly? Listen, they, they keep telling me that we need um, more migrants to come in the country, mm. to, to grow the economy, to be more productive, etc. Rubbish. It's mm. absolute rubbish. Mm. Um, you know, a, a simplistic view for me is, we've been using this excuse since the end of the Second World War, yes. that we need more people. And actually, on every single street in this country, there's a brain surgeon, there's a doctor, there's a barrister, there's a lawyer, there's a school teacher, there's a nurse. It's our job, because I'll give you a perfect example. Sports clubs, especially football teams, Premiership, Manchester United or Tottenham or Arsenal, they can see a, a young lad at five year old and think he's going to be a great footballer. They then take him on. And 20 odd years later, he's playing in the Premiership. 
A lot of them fail, but they become good footballers. Mm-hmm. They're just not good enough, but they become very good footballers. So if a sports team can do that, like a football team or a cricket team, or a, or a swimming coach or, or gymnast, gymnastics, why can't we do that? Why can't a teacher in a school think, you know what, that little Johnny there is very good at this, he's very good at something, very good at maths or, or, whatever, or biology or whatever. We need to push him, and, but that teacher then has to have somewhere to go with yeah. that information, say, this, this child's gifted, this really talented. Not just the odd one, but lots of young people, because Boris was right when he said that talent is spread evenly across mm. this country, but opportunity is not. Mm. You know, and, and, and I know in my village, uh, on the street I, I was brought upon, it was the roughest, most deprived street in Ashfield. Absolutely piss poor people were there. Uh, but all the kids have done well. Yeah. Not through the education, but just through our graft. Yeah. Now, if they'd have been given them opportunities like grammar school or, mm. or whatever, they would have done even better. I'm absolutely convinced of it, you know. I think there's no, no question. I mean, I'm, I'm a grammar school boy, right? And in the 1970s, um, I think social mobility was, you know, it was at its peak, yeah. you know. Uh, now it's gone right back. Mm. But Maggie closed a lot, though, didn't she? she oh, closed, yes, she did. She closed pits and uh, She carried on closing them, she yeah. did. Uh, absolutely, she did. Um, just one thing, uh, finally, uh, uh, there was a... Re- uh, again, a report. It was by Civitas. We're talking a bit. You talked about fairness, oh, yeah. you know, and it was this uh, report was startling. Showed I think it was like thirty, fifty-two percent of the country now pay it gets more in benefit than pays in tax. I mean, it's not startling, Pete. I've been saying this since I got got to that place. It's you know, after I worked in the pits, I went to work for Citizens Advice Bureau. All right. And I would see the people come in uh, and do benefit checks for them, um, and I, I can remember seeing one family be about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. They got five children. Uh, and then I think three or four of the children were labeled as having ADHD, which I didn't believe, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people play on that. But the thing mm-hmm. about ADHD uh, for children, it means it bumps the benefits up. Yeah, if you yeah. can get your child labeled, sadly, uh, at that age, it bumps your benefits up massively. This family were getting 53 grand a year net. To get that sort of wage, that's a 70 odd grand a year wage. Yeah. and that's the problem. And I was thinking, I'm working in an office, I'm thinking that's, that 50-odd grand, that's us fours, fives, income tax, mm-hmm. and national insurance to pay for that one family. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of ratios we're looking at. And we see the ridiculous situation in London um, with the, because um, the benefit cap was a good thing we bought in, mm-hmm. but there's a loophole. And if you're working, then you're exempt. So we get the ridiculous situation where somebody can work a few hours and get 30-odd grand universal credits mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. in London nonsense got to stop it do you think this is a culture of what they call entitlement now yeah, of course it, yeah yeah we've we've got third or fourth generation now that's that's not gone to work mm. in in some of the most deprived areas and i hear them say um oh it's payday mm. i think well you don't go to work but payday to them is when the benefits drop in, in the in the cash machine and they go and uh, they, they class that as their wages mm. they think they're entitled to that because that's what they used to. And it's not their fault because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young people have been brought up in, in households where there's been no, no role model, nobody's gone to work. I always remember in the 70s, my dad's alarm going off at all four or five o'clock in the morning. And that stuck for me for the rest of my life. Because I thought, well, my dad's getting up, he'd go and have a cup of tea, then he'd go to the pit, which mm-hmm. was about 10 minutes walk, walk away. So that's like, you think to yourself, that's what dads do. Mm-hmm. That's what men do. They get up at five o'clock in the morning, they go and do a shift down a coal mine. So that sort of gave me my aspiration to, 
to do the same thing as my dad. But a lot of young people haven't got that anymore. No, uh, actually, very interesting you say that. You see, my 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 dad was a manual worker. He was a driver yeah. of some shape or form, lorry driver to begin with, for yeah. most of his life. And what you never do, or at least happened for me, you never quite shake this idea that that's real work. Mm. You know, somehow, and that what we're doing is 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 all very nice and everything, but you know in marketing or if you're in think tanks and things it's not really what real work is when you know they come home with like salt down the back it's real work no I, I, I agree because you know it's my time in the pits my 10 years plus in, in the pits I did a bit of labouring in the concrete factory as well that's put me in good stead so mm. when I get up over there on the green benches and, and chat and they you know the Labour Party is talking about working classes and working people I think none of you have had a proper job mm. I have so <laughs> That's why they don't like me. So I can get up and, and spout and because working down the pits yeah. in in the eighties and nineties, what I did notice coming from my commie background and wanting to change the world that the vast majority of men working down the pit were just decent odd working men who wanted to provide for the family, doing an incredibly difficult job. Mm. And they, they loved their queen and country. They they thought the world of our armed forces. They 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 they, they flew the flag, they sung the national anthem. They were very conservative. Mm. They wanted their children to do a little bit better than them uh, when they left school, and that's conservative. Yeah. But they always voted Labour. Yeah. Well, Lee, thank you very much for sharing all of that with us. It's really great. I, the, Labour might uh, hate you for it, but uh, I, I know our viewers are going to love uh, what you said there. Thank you very, very much. Um, we've got a, just a couple of questions for our exclusive members, if you would wait there. Yes. But in the meantime, thanks very much. Uh, well, um, Lee Anderson. Uh, thanks very much, and we shall see you next time on So What You're Saying Is. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.